We had to pivot a lot to adapt and to ensure that our parks were that place of oasis, a place of respite for our community. Welcome to the Good and Grounded podcast, a project that our team at Ground Floor Media and Center Table created as a way to shed light on the biggest issues and needs in our Colorado community as a result of the pandemic. I'm Laura Love, founder of Ground Floor Media and co-founder of Center Table. And I'm Jim Licko, co-founder of Center Table with Laura as well. This episode's guest is in charge of one of our favorite resources here in Denver, uh, and one that's gotten a ton of use over the past year or so, our city's parks and recreation facilities. Happy Haynes is the deputy mayor of the city and county of Denver and also the executive director of Denver Parks and Recreation, the division of the city that manages more than 5,000 acres of traditional parks and parkways and another 14,000 acres of just spectacular mountain parks. A proud Denver native, Happy is very likely the, the best go-to resource in town for anything related to the city. Her connection to the city began while working for an, as an aide to former councilman Bill Roberts, which eventually earned her uh, a position working with former Denver Mayor Federico Pena. And in 1990, she became the first African-American woman elected to the city Denver City Council, serving three terms and a stint as council president as well. Many of her efforts and for a long time have focused on children, families, and education uh, as a city leader and eventually led her to work in the community partnerships with Denver Public Schools, which later then transitioned to a, a role on the Denver Public School Board. Her board and civic involvement is just simply too long to list for a 15 to 20 minute podcast like this, which uh, can't leave her with much free time at all. But I'm told that when she does have a few minutes of downtime, she likes gardening, hiking, playing golf, and even riding horses when she actually has a little bit of time. So we got some inside intel happy from your sister. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, uh, Jim and Laura. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about or at least open this conversation with is um, how Denverites and maybe Coloradans in general have changed the way they're using parks over the last year and, and how the management of parks have, have evolved in the last 13 months. I remember safety measures being taken early in the pandemic with removal of basketball hoops and similar activities. And then things evolved where our parks became sort of an oasis for all of us. You're right, Jim. They certainly did. And, you know, when the stay-at-home order was issued, everybody was really apprehensive about people leaving their homes. Uh, but people instinctively knew to head to their parks that parks would be safe places to go. And they did in record numbers. Uh, and it has been an interesting year. With recreation centers closed, we ex experienced these dramatic increases in parks use. At the same time, we also had to deal with significant budget cuts and reduced staffing. And as a result of these budget cuts, our parks maintenance staff was down by 50%. Uh, from the previous year. Uh, and so uh, it was a, an extraordinary challenge for them with more and more and more people uh, coming to the parks. Um, but, uh, you know, we had to pivot a lot, of, a lot during the year to adapt and to ensure that our parks were that place of oasis, a place of respite for our community. So we had our recreation uh, staff who were now uh, not working in closed centers, redeployed to uh, help uh, in our parks. Uh, 
Uh, early on, they were helping to educate the public about the safety risks of gathering in groups that were too large. Um, we used emergency measures to close park roads to provide uh, more space for social distancing in our parks. We had to close our um, playgrounds, which was really tough. I mean, imagine looking at the faces of little kids standing there with the tape around the, the playgrounds. They weren't understanding. We have to really thank our staff for going above and beyond uh, in order to keep these places beautiful so that people did have an outlet. In many cases, their only escape from the shut-in blues. You mentioned your team. They certainly did go above and beyond. But what did they do for their own mental health and perhaps m the mental health benefits of our community during this time? Were there specific things that you did as a team to address mental health benefits of the parks? Uh, well, great question, Laura. And I, and I will say, I think, you know, we're lucky to live in Colorado, a place where even in November, uh, our parks were busy places. Uh, people like to get out uh, outside. Um, and so, you know, the, the research uh, is clear about the benefits, both physical and mental, of uh, being outdoors. And uh, the Centers for Disease Control um, and Prevention have studies that show that exposure to green space, even if it isn't in a park, even if it's close by your front yard, a, a parkway, um, these, this environment has, um, has really significant mental health benefits. It can make people happier, it reduces stress, uh, it boosts social connections. People naturally come together when they're in outdoor spaces. And so whatever the venue may be, if, if you're outdoors, whether you're exercising or not, it provides um, emotional, physical, and mental health uh, benefits. And, and I will tell you, just from my staff uh, alone, I, I think spending time outdoors, those of us who were used to being in offices, um, you know, reached out and went out in the parks with some of our other staff and, and, and spent time. And just being there... Uh, supporting each other was an in, important part of keeping our own sanity. But I will tell you this, that knowing the role that we played in helping to create spaces where our city could keep its sanity was, uh, was really very, very rewarding for, for me and for all of our staff. Mm. It's funny, this weekend I ran into two different people that I did not know, and they both talked about the Paco Sanchez Park. Mm -hmm. And we know that you've talked so much and been quoted on the future of play. So I, I had never even heard of it. And after hearing it twice within 24 hours, I went and looked it up. And, and ironically, now we're talking to you. So I'll just ask you, what does the future of play look like for our parks? Yeah, well, it, it, is, it is close to the Paco Sanchez uh, Park, it, uh, a very innovative uh, uh, play uh, features to really stretch kids' imagination. Um, and it was, it was built in collaboration with the local community. So it very much reflects local community culture, was very important. One of the play features that kid, the kids today don't even recognize was an old style microphone that the, the namesake of the park used in his early radio days. And it's a giant uh, climbing structure. And so uh, it's really a combination of uh, innovative play ideas 
and reflecting the the culture of the community, a place where people feel comfortable and and safe. Um, and there's going to be a, a lot of changes like that in the future. You know, someone once said there are no new ideas, only new ways to express them. And I think that's true about play. Uh, people have always wanted to run, jump, crawl, climb, spin, roll, swing, and just about anything else our bodies will allow us to do. Um, but what is different is where we do these things, what equipment we use, and how it may or may not be organized. And so the future is going to be a mix of the old standards, but also innovative play features like you see at Paco Sanchez. So um, that's the future uh, of play uh, more and more in Denver and in cities across the country. Well, I love that. And I will just tell you for your own um, research that the two people that shared this with me separately both said they had their same age, I would say their mid-30s, who were visiting. And they said, we're going to go to this park. And they're like, it's a park, like a playground? And and they were like, there were no children involved. It was just <laughs> us showing up at the playground. So it's, um, I would... Yeah, you're not the only one. So it, you're, it, it, in fact, it, I don't even have to tell you your secret is safe with me because that has also happened to all of, to me and all of my staff uh, when, when we visit uh, Paco Sanchez. Uh, I've heard others say, where's our playground? Where's the adult <laughs> playground? Because it, it is uh, so exciting. Um, but the, nat- the nature play is, is the next frontier. And, you know, we'll always have sports and the organized play and even play structures. Um, but increasingly, experts are encouraging, especially young children, to engage in unstructured and unequipped play, you know, with sticks and water and mud and rocks and imagination. And so that's what we're going to be challenged as a staff to do, to find places where kids can do, um, can play in ways that are very natural to them. That's great. Uh, Of course, thinking about the future of our parks and how people are going to be using them and and playing and all that makes me think of the game plan for a healthy city. For those unfamiliar with game plan uh, and with Denver, right, the the city's long-term planning initiative in general, can you talk a little bit about what game plan is and what are the main considerations as we look you know, a couple of generations out for, for Denverites. Uh, absolutely. A game plan is our uh, strategic plan to guide the work uh, that we do. Um, and it, it was uh, built really in collaboration with our community, lots uh, over months and months and months, hearing a lot from our community uh, to build the game plan uh, for a healthy city. Uh, so we know that um, uh, we play an important role in adapting uh, to a changing climate. And so that's an, and making our parks and our open spaces more resilient is an important part, uh, a priority for us, uh, in the game plan. Um, growing our system, our parks and recreation system that in a way that is more equitable, uh, making sure that, uh, communities that have traditionally been underserved, um, are at the top of the list uh, and, you know, when it comes to making improvements and just, just ensuring that they have equitable access to the treasures that we, um, that we have in our um, parks and recreation system. We want to, as I mentioned earlier about being flexible and, and, and growing with the times and the trends, um, we want to diversify our programs and services to meet the needs of an increasingly diverse community. We have to be there for everyone. 
Um, we, um, we are going to be very much focused on introducing more natural environments for people in all corners of the city. So not just the, the normal, uh, you know, grass and trees and manicured spaces, but really truly, um, uh, natural environments where people can enjoy the natural beauty of Colorado. And we'll be looking for those prairie landscapes and flowers and pollinator gardens and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and finally, uh, in order to build this system that meets our community's needs, we have to keep reinvesting in our own staff, in our own people, uh, through partnerships, through training, and through uh, upgrading uh, our technology and, and, and staying out there uh, in front, keeping up with the research. It's just a, it's fascinating to me to think about, you know, all of all of that goes into a park because, you, you know, you think about, oh, there's just, you know, there's a playground and they, they mow the lawn once a week or something. And, and that's kind of all you think about. But, man, the the amount of uh, things that go into it. Of course, one of those is is maintenance. And I know the pandemic increased use of our parks and facilities. What can and should we be doing as residents to make sure that we're, we're using our parks responsibly and taking care of them? Uh, great question, and thank uh, thank you for asking that. You know, the, these are treasures, and they belong to all of us. And um, you know, as with all natural spaces, um, we have an obligation as users of our park system to uh, leave it as good or better than we found it, so to speak. Um, and mo- but most importantly, I think to be considerate of other park users. We have lots of diverse parks users. And we all want to be outdoors. And so we have to figure out how to do that in a way that allows us to have fun and engage in the activities that are inspiring to each of us. And at the same time, make sure that there's room and a place for others to do the same. So we have lots of uh, volunteer uh, opportunities uh, for people who want to go beyond uh, picking up after themselves and uh and coming in and getting to know our parks a little bit more intimately and, and um, you know, helping to clean them up, helping to, um, you know, mulch our trees to take care of our plants. Uh, lots, of, lots of ways to get more intimately involved in our park system. Well, you are the perfect segue to our final question for you. And for those that do want to get involved or have their kids get involved, how do they best go about doing that? Well, if they, if they just uh, call uh, Parks and Recreation, also on our website, um, we have an active uh, volunteer program. You can find it on our website. Uh, and we have volunteer projects that are going almost every week somewhere uh, in some parks. So we can customize activities. We can help uh, families and kids join one. Uh, school groups, welcome. Um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. Um, we have lots of students who uh, have community service re- uh, requirements that come to us and want to lend a hand. And um, most of these are not um, not just cleaning up and helping you know prune our system, but also learning about our park system. It's a great opportunity to learn uh, about our system and how it works. No shortage of opportunities. <laughs> no shortage. And if someone isn't able to volunteer but wants to provide funding, is there a way to do that as well? Uh, yes, we do. We, uh, we do have uh, donation uh, accounts, and that too is available uh, on our um, Parks and Recreation website at Denver denvergov.org forward slash parks and recreation. Uh, and uh, we, we will uh, work with, with anyone who wants to give. 
I will say this, uh, a really uh, shout out to many of our members, recreation center members. Uh, when we closed our recreation centers, we gave our members an opportunity to either let their membership roll forward, to get a refund, or to donate. And I am just um, so gratified by the number of our um, recreation center members who said, uh, keep, keep our membership fees as a, as a donation. And that just says so much about our community and how we step up to lend a hand and as people have done throughout this pandemic and um, also, also true of our parks. So um, a big thank you to members of the public who have stepped up in countless ways to help us. Well, thank you for spending time inside on this beautiful day with us. I'm thank sorry you. we had to do it this way, but next time maybe we'll we'll record something outside. Yeah, I, I keep keep it up. Uh, keep using them uh, and let letting us know uh, how your experiences are. It gives us great pleasure. It definitely makes me smile as we think about the ability we're going to have once we're all vaccinated to be connected and get outside together in the parks or wherever else we might find. And one cool thing that happened this week is that a federal vaccine advisory committee is planning to recommend Pfizer's COVID vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds. And as a mom of a 12 year old, this is really exciting. It means that summer camp, play dates, hopeful return to normal school this fall is in the works. If you want to get on the wait list for your 12 to 15 year old, I would suggest that you jump on the website. It's www.truecare24.com backslash C-O. T-R-U-E-C-A-R-E, the number 24.com backslash C-O. And um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and as long as Colorado's sixth winter doesn't come in at this point, uh, we can get it back out and start playing in our parks a little bit more with, without the uh, 45 degree and rainy weather we've been, we've been having the last couple of weeks. So, if you like what you heard, uh, go ahead and try to visit us. Go find us on goodandgrounded.com for more episodes. You can find us on obviously iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. If you do hear of a good story that needs to be shared, drop us a line and let us know. We're we're here to kind of shine light on all of those great community stories. That that we have going on these days in our Colorado communities. So listen to more episodes, goodandgrounded.com, and let's get out there and do some good in our communities.